And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we're going to be talking about the 12th episode of Season 3 of Supernatural titled Juice in Bello, or at least that's how I hope you pronounce it. Um, Jamie, what did you think? Okay, let's just start at the beginning. There is a decent chunk of stuff to talk about for this episode, I think. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty chunky, chunky ep. Chunky boy. We would expect nothing less from our dear Sarah Gamble. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the very first scene. Okay. They're in the hotel room. Yes. And they're like, oh yeah, we think this is Bella's room. And the evidence is there's wigs. The two wigs. <laughs> like, babe, I'm sorry to tell you. Other people wear wigs. Other people wear wigs. <laughs> like, Bella does not have a monopoly on wig wearing. Yeah, it's funny that they think that, though. Like, I love that. <laughs> I love that that's their evidence. Do you remember in uh 217 in half yeah when sam's whole evidence for the fact that madison was like above average intelligence he was like look at all your books i feel like they just like see one piece of evidence and they judge an entire person's character on that they're like yeah bella she's that evil bitch that wears wigs that's how we've categorized her see a wig that's bella well it should be fair does anyone else wear a wig in this show maybe sam aside <laughs> you know exactly where i was going with yeah. that. Okay, yes. So let's maybe quickly talk about Bella. Okay, yeah. In this app. Obviously, recently she stole a colt from the boys in a baller move. Honestly, can't believe they didn't see it coming. They're really bad at underestimating her. Yeah. And we love that for her. But yeah, so she's stolen the colt. Obviously, she's going to fence that because that's... Well, actually, she kind of implies that she's not going to fence it. Which, what do you think about that? I think that's really interesting and i i kind of hope that's true because i think that would make her an even more interesting character yeah that like her intention is not to fence it to fence it and that she because if she's not going to fence it obviously she has a purpose for it yeah like she is something that she wants to kill and i'd be fascinated to see where that kind of goes where that kind of goes Look, this is not where they're going. Okay. I, I know this for a fact. They would not have done it like this if this is where they were going. Okay. But you know how Azazel chose, like, Sam as his sort of victor after the Demon Hunger Games? Yes. What yes. if Lilith had her own version of that? Oh. With the new Big Bad that they've just introduced? Yes. And Bella was the winner. But Bella doesn't want to be, so she's now trying to kill Lilith with the gun. Oh, that would be kind of fucking cool. I know, that's where they're cool. going. I know that's not where they're going with it because they would never have framed it like this in a million years. Look, I can't yay or nay you because obvious reasons, but But that would be cool. It would be incredible, I think. (laughs) I think that would be such a fun storyline. If then the, you know, eventual Demon War, which we finally got the Demon War. Been hearing about it for yes, like three oh seasons. God, I we know. finally got the Demon War. <laughs> That's because we're about to end the series. This is, oh, the series? God. We're about to oh, end the season. Oh, thank God. This is, this is how they do it. We, you know nothing for the first 15-ish episodes and then right at the end, they're like, oh, fuck, we have the Everything main. happens. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, with obviously this being a shorter season, yeah. we've hit season, or episode 12 rather. So yeah, this is the part where they're like, oh fuck, we just remembered that there are consequences. This is to like their the actions. part in season one where they're like, oh fuck, we have no way of killing this demon. Maybe we should get a magical <laughs> demon killing gun. Also vampires. Also vampires. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I I doubt that's where they're going with it. Simply because why they I don't think they would have framed it this way. Okay. If that was sort of where they were going with it, mm-hmm. but I think that would be really fun and cool if like after all this build up. The eventual demon war on earth apocalypse thing yeah. is not done. Like, it's not fixed by the brothers. It's by Bella and a girl. Oh, that, that would, would be, be fucking cool. I don't think they're going to do that because that is giving their female characters too much nuance nuance and plot autonomy. Yeah. Which doesn't happen. This is supernatural we're talking about. Yeah. But. Would be cool in the good supernatural that lives in Jamie's head. In the good supernatural that lives in Jamie's head, the brothers are dead. I'm really sorry. I know you like Dean. <laughs> I also <laughs> like Sam. I, I promise I do. I just think... Look, we talk about I him once every Dean. four episodes. <laughs> yeah, and then we just make fun of his hair. Sorry, go on. <laughs> in the good supernatural that lives in my head, mm-hmm. Ava won. Mm-hmm. Sam and Dean are now dead. Yeah. Oh, no, Sam and Dean might still be alive, but they're both going to die. Okay. And then... And then the in the good supernatural that lives in Jamie's head, she just kills them off. <laughs> and then the main characters are now Bella and Ava. That is cool. And Meg. And Meg, yes. And Ruby can be there too. Oh, wait, how are you feeling about Ruby? We haven't really, because mm. really the only thing you've said about Ruby thus far is she still kind of feels like Meg 2.0 and you yeah. don't really know how you're vibing with it. She does feel like Meg 2.0, which yeah. means that I do 
like her inherently. Like, yeah. I, I can't not like a Meg knockoff. I like yeah. Meg too much to not like a Meg knockoff. Yeah. Uh, she's starting to feel more like her own character. Yeah. Which is good. I'm enjoying that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, she still does have, she still gives me Meg vibes. Yeah, okay. And I think that just might be because there's only so many vibes you can give a demon. Yeah, like, like they are different people, like, well, they're different demons. characters, but they have similar, because they are, like, I guess a, a similar species, yeah. they have similar, like, vibes. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they're obviously, they're, the they're same still, like, Genesequa. Yeah, exactly. They're still, like, the evil vibe, you yeah. know? Like, that's kind of what they're going for. Okay. The I, sort of ruthless cutthroat will do what they need to do to get ahead. I'm really excited for you to see uh, how Ruby's character, like, progresses. I think you're really going to enjoy it because she certainly does become more of her own character. Yeah. Sort of further removed from the likeness of Meg. Yeah. So I think that you're going to enjoy that, which is going to be really fun. While we're on... The topic of all of the lady characters. We did just get Lilith introduced. We did. And you've previously talked about how much you love creepy little girls. So I'm <laughs> I've been excited for you. So to is get she to gonna Lilith. stay as a creepy little girl? Or does she have for so she's a creepy little girl for at least a significant portion of time. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that for me. Yeah. I I was really keen for you to get to Lilith because mm-hmm. first of all, it's nice to have it's nice to, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I kind of enjoy having a villainous character that is a female character. Yeah. Especially in a show that is so male driven mm-hmm. and like, obviously their whole point is going to be mm-hmm. like defeating her. Like that's going to be the thing they're working yeah. towards. But I do enjoy having female characters who are like, who give them a run for their money. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's part of why, like, Meg and Ruby, like, yeah. have that, like, appeal. Even Bella. It, yeah, Bella as well, absolutely. Yeah. Like, she's not a villain, quote-unquote, but she's she is... morally grey. Yeah. And that's why I love her so much, because, like, obviously, like, the point of the show is, like, it's about the brothers, like, it's about the boys, and... Look, you're... I just told you my ideal supernatural is to get rid of them, yes. And we're just <laughs> focusing on the female characters now. That was literally, like... And Bobby. Bobby can be there too. Bobby can time. also be there yeah. too. No, so... The rest of them can go. I'm sorry. I just... I thought of Henry because... Did they seriously fucking kill him off? They did kill him off. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hate that Henriksen dies. <sighs> this show really has an issue with killing off women and people of colour, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Absolutely. No question there. Because this is the second interesting person of colour character they've killed off in the last season. Like, in this season, in season Mm -hmm. three so far, they've killed off both Gordon and Henriksen. I think they're actually also the only two recurring people of colour in the season. Because everyone else is, like, uh, either Missouri Mm -hmm. or a lot of the characters in Route 666 have been one-time characters. At Um, this point, anyway. You did say... No, you didn't say Missouri comes back. Missouri does... But not for enough a to be fucking ever. Yeah, not enough to be really considered a recurring character. Yeah, like by technicality, sure. You appear not, in two not episodes way... that is recurring. Yeah, like, exactly, and not in the way she was never recurring in the way that Henriksen was recurring. Yeah, or that Gordon was recurring. Yeah. So, and even though, like, obviously, Gordon was not a character that you're supposed to like sympathize with or no. anything. Like, I did not like Gordon. No, I still do think he was a very interesting character. Yes, exactly. As a it's character. a bit like how I feel about John. Like, I do not like John. Yeah. But he is an interesting character. Yes, exactly. And, like, that's what makes a good villain. Mm. It's, like, because you want them to be interesting. You want them to have, like, be multifaceted. Yeah. If they're just, like, a 2D killer, it's mm. like, well, this is just, like, Scooby-Doo, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, no. Like, that's not what we're about. Yeah. But, yeah, the fact that... Henry I mean, it is said, what they're about. There is a, a Scooby-Doo episode. Well, oh, yeah, look. The fact... I think the thing that bothers me... Obviously, outside of the inherent issues with it, like looking at from like a character and plot analysis standpoint, the thing that really bothers me about Henriksen's death is two things. One, that it was unnecessary. Like, like the only thing that his death really does to further the plot is like Dean is like impacted, like Sam is obviously impacted Mm -hmm. by it, but we do get Dean's like reaction shot. Because like, we'll talk about this a little later, but like, I do think there's like a little bit of flirting going on there. They were like frenemies. Yeah. They had the like little like bantery thing going on. But anyway, so like he, he, he liked him and he died. And, and like, it was, they were about to get an ally in yeah, the FBI. Exactly. 
The other thing that bothers me about it from like a plot character perspective is that he they had just set him up perfectly to be introduced as a hunter. Mm-hmm. Like he had just like he had literally had that conversation with Dean. It's the same thing that annoyed me about Ron's death in Night Shifter, which is that they had the perfect setup to create a reoccurring character who's another hunter. Yeah. Who can sort of pop in and out where they happen to bump into each other on cases. Mm-hmm. And it And be like a fun character who like reoccurs like yeah. once every couple seasons or something. And it yeah. just like it's really hurting the sense of like the hunting community. Like mm. Because, like, at this point, there's, like, what, four characters we know of in the hunting community. Yeah, that we know personally. Oh, five. Sorry. Other than the ones who, like, who were, like, on Gordon's yes. kind of, yeah. Yeah. But of the, like, named characters who are friends of Sam and Dean. Yeah. We have five characters. Yeah, so you got Joe and Ellen. Joe and Ellen. Bobby. Bobby. Ash, who is now dead. And, yeah, so Ash. And Missouri. Well, even, even... But even Missouri is only tangentially... And even, like, you could maybe put... Replace... Because Ash is dead. You could yeah. maybe replace him on that list with Bella. But even then, Bella is, like we said before, so morally grey that, like, could you really consider her an ally? Yeah. Probably not. Ruby, you could almost probably consider more of an ally at this point than Bella. Yeah. Like, so... At least in terms of consistently not screwing the brothers up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, it's... You're right. And it's so frustrating because, like... He could have been like he was already such a solid character. He was like played excellently. Yeah. He, you know, he had this great rapport mm. and they had history and he had like you said, he had the ins at the FBI. Yeah. Like he literally made the Oh, this is important. Dean's, They're legally dead Yes, second legal death. I think we should keep count. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Dean's second legal death. Sam's first legal death. But second death in total, because Sam actually died. Yeah. And then Dean but hasn't Dean, legally... He, Dean has legally died twice, but hasn't actually been dead before. Yes, he has. Well... We just watched fucking Mystery Spot, mate. Yeah, but, like, that was all manipulated death. Like, that wasn't... That was, like, the trickster doing that. So I don't know if that counts. But the final death, I would argue, counts. On the one Wednesday? That, the Wednesday death. Okay. But I mean, yeah, but and also he is technically meant to be dead twice over just because he didn't quite get there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, look. At least in terms of like in the eyes of the government, Dean's now been dead twice. Sam's dead once, Once. and they are currently dead. So I think it'll be interesting to see at what point they become not legally dead again. (laughs) We'll see how long it lasts them. But yes, sorry. Going back to Henriksen, I just think. He was so perfectly set up. And this episode set him up so well. Like, introducing him to the supernatural. Like, he stepped up to the plate. He was so ready. to. He was like, you know, my job's boring. It's not fulfilling me. I feel like this could fulfill me in a way that my, you know, civilian life does not. It perfectly sets him up. And then at the last second, they just kill him. Yeah. And it's just so unsatisfying. And we should actually probably talk about why they do kill him, at least from a story perspective, yeah, position. rather than like a meta-analysis position, yeah. which is they kill him to prove Ruby correct. Yeah. And she is proven pretty solidly correct. Like, yeah. Because she proposes a plan, and in her plan, two people die. Yeah. Herself mm-hmm. and Nancy. Yeah. And they are like, oh, no, we can't kill Nancy. Yeah. We cannot kill Nancy, despite the fact Nancy says, look, if this is the sacrifice that I have to make, Mm -hmm. I am willing to make that to save my family and friends and my co-workers. Interesting that they refuse, and this is something that comes up a lot, is that the brothers refuse to let other people make the same choices they themselves make countless times. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very hypocritical. And like, I'm not saying they should have let the girl die. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that she essentially was making the same choice we could argue that Dean made at the start yep. of, or the end rather, of last season. You could argue that it was the same choice that John made when he made the deal. You could, like, argue... But the crucial difference here is John and Dean both made deals that saved a single person. person. She was making a deal that would have saved a dozen people. I think it was 30. 30 people who were possessed plus everyone inside the building. Excluding herself and and Ruby. And I think what is really interesting about this argument is that it shows 
And I actually took down a quote because Sam and Dean are arguing. So the quote is that it's when Sam and Dean have sort of like gone out, like Ruby's proposed this Mm. plan and Dean's like, Sam, you cannot possibly be considering this. Like you cannot be considering this. We can't just let someone die. And anyway, so they take themselves out into the corridor and Dean says to Sam, it doesn't matter what the like situation is. We don't just throw away the rule book. You know, we can't just do whatever we want at the cost of everyone else. And he also says... I mean, they kind of do though. I, Constantly. I know, I know. I know. And this is why I'm bringing it up. But then he says, you know, if that's how you win wars, then I don't want to win. So basically he's saying, like, he doesn't want to have to sacrifice innocent people for the greater good of, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't want to have to make that decision between saving one person and saving a group. There is no, like, and it kind of becomes the trolley problem, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you save the one person or do you save the five, yeah. right? And it's like, there is no good option. Like, theoretically logically mathematically you would save the five people yeah right but that doesn't make it a good decision yeah and i think that's his thing like he's, they're the literally in the, tro- the trolley the problem. trolley problem is you have to make the conscious decision to kill the one person to yeah. save the five like it's already on the track with the five yeah so you have to switch the tracks and change the um i think it actually relates more to the offshoot of the trolley problem Hmm. where it's do you kill one healthy living person to get six different organs to save six different people? Yeah. To be able to do organ transplant to save six people to kill one and to actively kill one person Person. to save. Yeah, no, you're right. That is a better – because, yeah, they would have to actively – what was it, cut her heart out, I think? And obviously, like, I don't think they would do it. I think Ruby would probably do it. But it's also, like, they are the ones who are left with that call. Yeah, I think I just wanted to like touch on that like little interaction very briefly yeah. because I think sort of the point of this episode is like as like a, an overall narrative point is to teach the boys that there is a difference between the individual battles they have been fighting yeah. and the consequence of battles of war yeah. and like trying to give them that perspective of you cannot save everybody and sometimes you have to make the decision that is not a good decision but is the better of two evils. Mm. And again, I'm not saying I'm supportive of murder, but it's, and I, like, I do think, I do think if Dean's plan had worked, like if I was in that situation and those were my two options, I would have picked Dean's plan. Yeah. Because in his version of events, there's a possibility no one dies. Yeah. And that is the better choice to make. But it's also a risk. Yes. And that was Ruby's point. She's like, you're not just fighting these demons. You are fighting a battalion. Yeah. Like there are going to be other players involved. It's not like you kill these guys and you're free like any other Sultan burn. Yeah. You kill these guys and their leader is going to show up to do like, you know, figure out the situation. And that's yeah. exactly what happens. And yeah, like you said, she's, she's proven right. Which uh, like cloudy, milky white eyes. Different. Yes. Different. Yes. And this is how we distinguish Lilith. I think... Uh, similar to Yellow Eyes, yeah. I I don't think this is any like spoilery territory, so I'm just going to explain it. But basically, if you think about um, demon like hierarchies, yeah, the different eyes tend to like signify different like levels of yeah. authority. So it basically goes like if you have like black eyes, they're like a base level like demon. They're the henchmen. Yeah, sort of. And then like the further up you go, you get like different eyes. I think the only colors we see in the show from my immediate memory is yellow, white, and red. Okay, yeah. I think they're the three that we get, and the red is, like... Incredibly rare and not till way later on. Well, actually, to be fair, I don't think we get that many significant demon characters who have eyes that aren't black in any case. Mm. Like, from my memory, I can't think of a demon outside Different colored eyes are reserved for the big bads. Yeah, yeah. And it's part of, like, the distinguishing thing, because obviously a demon can possess sort of whoever they want. Yeah. So if they're possessing someone, the eye change is what, like, clues the audience in and yeah. clues the brothers in. So if it comes up as white, you're like, oh, my God, it's Lilith, because yeah. she's the, like, white-eyed demon. Yeah. Same with Azazel, same with characters later on. So Which we got the opposite this time of Azazel. Azazel was, like, a yellow-eyed demon for, like, months. I know. He was we met him, and we're still calling him the yellow-eyed demon, and he dies, and then we finally get his fucking name. Yeah. And this one, we've heard her name before you've even met her. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Lilith as an antagonist. I think that she is... Mm-hmm. I We will talk about, as we get, obviously, yeah. more information about her, but I really enjoy her as an antagonist uh, going into mm. the end of the season. I think it's quite... I I want to see line. some personality from Lilith. Like, I want to... 
Because, like, obviously you don't get anything from, like, the two-minute scene she was in where she murders everyone in the yeah. police station. Like, no actress could have given her a substantial personality in that sort of time frame. Yeah. Also, I want to quickly point out, like you said, we haven't gotten much from her yet, but the actress who plays Lilith, like, the child actress, she's incredible. Yeah. Like, it's... With, like, child actors, obviously, like, you know, they have, like, less skills and, like, yeah. they haven't, you They know. don't have the emotional maturity to necessarily always manage to play, especially characters like Lilith. Yeah. Who are evil meant to be <laughs> evil psychopaths who are millennia old. Yeah. But this this actress, whose name I actually don't know, maybe I should have looked it up, but she actually does, a, I think, quite a phenomenal job. And you'll see in later episodes, like, she really sells on the, like, creepy demon child. Like, it's... Very good. Very yeah. similar to, um, not in the same way, but similar effect as, like, the um, child actress in The Benders. Like, oh, yeah, similar, yeah. like, you, you know... I think her name was Missy. Yes. Yeah, mm. I think so. Um, character name. She's a very yep. pervasive character. Mm. Like, you're... She owns that energy. Yeah. And it's very good. Okay, let's switch to something a little lighter. There is a bit where Henriksen is describing Sam and Dean when he's bringing him into, and he describes him as Hannibal Lecter and his half-wit brother. And I think that's hilarious <laughs> because you know, you know that Dean is Hannibal Lecter and Sam is the half-wit brother, which considering everyone else refers to Sam as the smart one. I know. Actually, there are a couple of moments where we get descriptions of the brothers that are so fucking funny in this episode. So we get that one, which is excellent. We yeah. also get Satan worshipping nutbag killers, which I love for them. Uh, and we also I mean, get... Sam Winchester is the Antichrist. And, <laughs> and right at the end with Lilith, we also get I'm looking for two men. One's really tall and one's really cute. <laughs> it made me think of the other day when we were talking about, like, yeah. you know, describe them in, like, two words. two words. So Lilith, she really rose to the occasion. We got tall and cute. <laughs> Which just made me laugh a lot, mostly because of our previous conversation, but yeah. like, you know. But yeah, no, some peak descriptions in this episode. Yeah. And absolutely. while we're talking about that, I do want to talk about the fact that they chained them together. I know. <laughs> like, Henriksen is a really smart guy. You're really going to put these two people who have managed to escape multiple prisons, holding yeah. cells, a fucking bank robbery. Yeah. You're going to chain them together and let them work together to find a way to get out of this? To be fair, chaining them together does stump them and they do struggle to perform simple tasks such as sitting down. <laughs> Which is ridiculous considering the amount of, like, because they're, they're joined at the ankles, I know, basically. They, they just get themselves all tangled up. It's very entertaining to me. I'm sorry. If I was Hendrickson, I would have split those guys up. Yeah, I was wondering why he got rid of the guy who was in there for drunk and disorderly. Because they like, multiple cells in there. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I originally thought, well, maybe he wants to split Sam and Dean up. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe it's more of a case of he doesn't want them to have access to any other people. Because, like, in the previous episode with him, like, basically them having access to, I forget her name, but the lady who, like, got the information for Oh, the lawyer? And, yes, yeah. Yeah. Basically them having access to her is what got them out. Yeah. So I was wondering if, like, maybe he was like, we're just not going to take any chances. I don't know what this man who's in here for drunken disorderly could possibly do to help them, but I'm not taking that fucking risk. I don't understand why he would have left them in the same cell to be out of work together to get out. Why not put them at either end of the bloody... Yeah. I will say, though, having them chained together does give us the line about Henriksen being like, you know, it's nice to see you locked up or whatever it is that he says... Yeah. And Dean getting to say, you kinky son of a bitch, we don't swing that way. And I was like, this is yet another example of Dean being in a situation and doing that thing. I mean, like, I'm going to make it gay. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> but as a self-defense tactic. Yeah. Like, it's just like Croatoan when he's like, you know, you know, you're a handsome fella, but I don't swing that way or whatever. Like, and he's doing it. To make the other person uncomfortable. And I was like, this is like, I want to say the third time. Weaponizing homosexuality. Yeah. And (laughs) I was like, I think I've never realized before because I've never been specifically looking for it in this sense. And like, I've never had someone to like talk about it at length with like in this particular sort of context. Mm. But I think, yeah, this is the third time now in as many seasons that Dean has specifically made that kind of comment specifically as a way to make the person who is in charge in that situation feel uncomfortable 
like yeah. to un- to like unsettle them so that he can be more in charge. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting tactic, and he keeps employing it. Specifically, Dean. It's never Sam. No. Between that and like I don't know, like I kind of interpret and like look, it's a, it. Everyone has their opinions, but I kind of interpret Dean and Henriksen like when they kind of like are actually kind of talking and like one on one. I do feel like it's kind of a flirty vibe. I don't know if that's just me, but I don't see it as flirty. I kind of do. I kind of do. I think it's like a. I think it's partially like a mutual respect for each other. Then there's like some fun banter, and I don't know. I feel like if they had been allowed the opportunity to like become more acquainted, I feel like there maybe could have been something there. That's just my. That's just my opinion. Flirting or no flirting aside, I do love Dean and Henriksen's banter. I really yeah. enjoy their dynamic. I think that the actors work really well. Like mm. they have a good sort of energy between them regardless of how you read it and i really love dean is very like almost like cheeky i guess in this episode like there's lots of like little quips and then we get lots of shots of him like just kind of smiling at people like just cause and i i enjoy that i enjoyed him saying to henrickson you know if it makes you feel better like bigfoot's a hoax but is it because they have said so many goddamn (laughs) times this is something that doesn't exist And then it is something that exists. They just hadn't seen it with their own two eyes, so they didn't believe it was real. Look, I don't think we ever come across Bigfoot in the series, at least not that I can think of, but that doesn't mean that he's he's not out there. So Bigfoot truthers. <laughs> They're out there. Only in the supernatural universe. <laughs> not oh, in actual real life. I also fucking love Dean being excited about the idea that they have a contract on them. It really reminded me of uh, After the Usual Suspects when they were looking up their rap sheets yeah. to see how wanted they were. <laughs> it really it really did give me um, a little bit of serotonin. I just think it's so funny. And him being like, do you think it's because it's because we're so awesome? I think it's because we're so awesome. <laughs> Sam's just like so fucking done with him the whole time. Like when he makes the joke about at least you didn't shoot the deputy or whatever. Yeah. And Sam's fucking face. Like, Dean, this is not the but time. But I'm sorry. You know, as soon as they said the first line, I knew Dean was going to make that joke. Yeah, There is no way in fucking hell he's not going to make that joke if somebody gives him that open. Pop culture reference queen Dean Winchester is not giving up that opportunity. It was there. It was on a silver... Like, he's taking it. Let's let's look at some logistics here for a minute. Oh, love when you say that to me. Yes. (laughs) Talk (laughs) logistics to me, (laughs) Jamie. Clearly, a recording... Fucking work! Caught an exorcism. Yes, I was like, okay. So first of all, I was like, thank fuck, at least one of these idiots has an exorcism mes- memorized. Second, Second of all, level. yeah, they fucking put it on a recording, and it fucking works a treat. I'm like, why do you not just have this at all times? Why is this not a voice memo? I just, oh yes. So it's excellent. We're excited. Voice recording exorcisms work. That's good to know. Did they turn the toilet water into holy water? Yes. Is that what is meant to be implied there? Yes. What gets me? Okay, what gets me about that scene? Right. Yeah. Previously, we've seen holy water, and holy water is so powerful it will literally burn through the clothing. Yeah. Right? Burns this through the rubber of the shoes. Burns through the rubber of the shoes. In this one, his face is just like lightly steaming. <laughs> maybe maybe toilet bowl holy water is like inherently less powerful <laughs> than like pure holy water maybe there's other chemicals just, in there that just like get in the way it just doesn't seem to be as potent as yeah. any of the other holy water we've seen sure even, it doesn't even burn even the holy water we see later on in this episode yeah. out of the flasks yeah seems more powerful <laughs> than the toilet holy water plot convenience jamie plot convenience I do really quickly want to touch on the, the toilet holy water for a moment. I First of all, I think it was a clever idea. Second of all, props to Sam for getting the rosary mm. off of Nancy. Third thing, Nancy, sweetie, babe, you did not have to stick your whole fucking arm. No! You could have just, like, poked the corner of the towel through. through. You could have stood, like, you could your hand could have been a foot away from the fucking vase. And you could have thrown it. Yeah. Like, they would have been out of reach through the vase, grab it. You could have put it, it on the ground and walked away. But no, you literally shoved your whole oh, arm. I was like, babe, oh, you. Sweetie, honey. Oh, basic, like, pr- self-preservation skills. Come on. Also, they killed Nancy. Yeah. I'm also sad about that because guess what? 
Another perfect setup for a fucking hunter yeah. that can be reoccurring and create a sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Nancy could have been it. She really could, because she really rose to the occasion. She was so ready. She obviously has the self-sacrificial tendencies that are clearly necessary to be a hunter. You know, like, she was so ready to rise to the occasion. She fully accepted the existence of the supernatural. She was like, huh, guess I was right. Sucks to be you, mum and dad. Like, you know. And, yeah, absolutely. She could have been it. She could have been great. Even having had her as, like, ended up possessed or something. Yeah. You know, could have been as, like, a, an interesting recurring yeah. point. Speaking of Nancy, though, while yeah. we're here, I wanted to ask you a question. Because I thought, you know how in a lot of this type of, like, media, there's always, like, something about, like, sacrificing virgins? Yeah. Like, it usually comes up at some point. Either, like, a spell or a ritual yeah. or both or, you know, something comes up. I'm pretty sure... And I may be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure when you talk about, like, a virgin in the context of a spell, isn't it supposed to be, like, the virgin blood? Like, not as in a person who hasn't had sex, as, like, the modern kind of interpretation of what a virgin is, but it means that the blood has not been used in a previous spell or ritual? I have no idea. I don't have enough knowledge about either the supernatural universe or the occult. I was going to say, this isn't necessarily relevant to supernatural because I'm pretty sure supernatural always runs by the like virgin meaning hasn't had sex. But I have a feeling that at some point in my life I came across that information. Don't ask me where or how. I couldn't tell you. But I have a feeling that's the case. And I do find it interesting that the interpretation always seems to be a person who has not had sex. I understand it from, like, a religious purity kind of perspective. Oh, important update in the supernatural sort of repertoire. Yeah. They have the anti-possession tattoos. Yes. Now, do you remember, like, fucking season one, I think, you were saying, like, I don't know why they don't have anything that would protect them from possession. And then eventually Bobby gives them the amulets. And I was saying... This isn't the thing that I was thinking about when it came to possession. What I was thinking about is the tattoos. Yeah. I have seen the tattoos before. They seem to be a very popular choice with fans to get the anti-possession tattoo. Yeah. A lot of the time it is in the same position. And sometimes it's like on their arm or whatever. Yeah. I've seen it in a couple of different like places. But yes, so that that tattoo is one that like it's not something that they forget about. They have that from now forever. I mean, it's a tattoo. Yeah, well, look, there are other things in the show where it's like, that should be a permanent fixture on your body, and it just disappears with no explanation. But the tattoos, they stay. So any time from now on when you see the boys, like, either they're, like, shirtless for whatever reason, or, like, they have to pull their shirt down for something, like, it's it's always there. I figured it was worth, like, pointing out, because we've talked before about, like, how do they not get possessed all the fucking time? This is how. I love that Sarah Gamble was literally, like, well, I guess they have tattoos now, and they ask, wow, how long have you had those? And they go, mm, not long enough. <laughs> Which implies that it could have literally been, like, the day before, because we haven't known that they have them yeah. up to this point. They ha- they got them at some point between Sam being possessed by Meg and now. Yeah. Which is not that long a period of time, really. No. Yeah, because Sam was possessed by Meg in, what, three-something? Three yeah, it was, it was recently. It was this season. Yeah. So it's been, like, what, half a dozen episodes? Yeah, maybe. If that... Yeah, I also kind of love the idea that they only just now came up with the idea of tattooing this onto themselves. Like, you would think John, who spent his entire fucking, like, the last 40 years of his life, well, actually not that long, the last 20 years of his life hunting a demon would have at some point thought about not getting possessed. But I guess not. They make some interesting choices. Now, oh, they always now do. don't they? But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we've finally got the tattoos. I was wondering at what point they were going to show up because I knew that they had them, obviously. Yeah. But I assumed that they had them from way earlier than this. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's kind of like one of those things about Supernatural where I just sort of forgot oh, no, that they didn't. Oh, a bad sign was back in season two. 2014. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, shit. So, oh, do you know why we think it's recent? Because that's what's just for, like, that's what we've been editing recently. Yeah. It's like a full season ago. So, okay, sometime in the last year. Yeah. But yes, in any case, I'm glad that we have the tattoos now because I like I knew that they had them, obviously. It, it explains why they don't get possessed better Literally than just plot, 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 convenience, convenience, convenience. Yes. So I... Imagine all of the shit that could have been avoided in the season two finale if John had just had a fucking anti-possession tattoo. The season one Oh, the season finale, finale one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Season one finale. Yeah, I'm glad with tattoos... Because I, for ages, have been like, where the fuck do they get these tattoos? I don't understand why Bobby wouldn't have pushed them to get those tattoos earlier. Considering what we now know about his history. Yeah. 
with loved ones getting fucking possessed. Yeah, I know. Like, it's, I I think it's one of those things where they're like, oh, wow, like, someone in the writer's room was like, oh, this is probably a good idea, hey, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's all right, we'll put that in there, and then they just did, and there was just, like, no explanation for why they didn't have it the whole time, <laughs> other than, like, yeah, we didn't think about that. Whoops. I think it's just they sort of realised that the threat of possession was too big. Especially like, with so many demons now. Yeah, so it's sort of like, they were like, oh, like, they can't just have the justification they had in, like, the first season, where it's like, demons were kind of rare, and they didn't really have to think about, like, oh, what would be the implication of the boys getting possessed? Mm -hmm. And then they were like, oh, let's possess one of the boys, and then they were like, oh, no, holy shit, this is an issue. Yeah. (laughs) Now that we've proven the boys can be possessed. Mm -hmm. We need to fucking solve that real quick. Solve that real quick, otherwise that's, that's a glaring issue, and... If the demons don't just fucking possess them, the demons are going to win real quick. Yeah, literally. They're going to win real quick. So I think that that might have been what did it, which is uh, why they're like, oh, we actually probably need something in place so that people can not get possessed. So we can regulate it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, So that we're not, like, giving the demons too much power coming up to the finale. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that Sam... Puts a line through the demon trap so Ruby can get out. And then they never fucking fix it. I think they must. I think they just don't dedicate screen time to it. Because then later when they let all the demons in, they like it, they make a point of all of them scratching the lines and the traps again. So I think it's just one of those things. But no, like, they all just walk out of the room. Oh, yeah, I guess they do. Like, they all just sort of turn around and follow. Like, all you have to do is quickly just have a single shot of them grabbing, like, the can of spray paint and just going, shh. So it's a complete demon trap again. So while they're having the meeting with fucking Ruby, you yeah. can't just have demons pouring in through that fucking window. At least he fixed the salt line. I don't know, man. You Look, I, I can't really argue that point because you're right. They do just kind of leave it. Like, obviously it's implied that at some point someone goes and fixes it. But, like, yes, they don't show it. Actually, one thing that did kind of make me laugh a little bit about watching when they are scratching their lines to, like, let the demons in closer to the end, you can really tell that they've done multiple takes because they're scratching at the paint and I'm like, there's already, like, a massive chunk of this paint missing and it is, like, not matching the pattern that you were scratching at all. Like, it's very clear that some at some point you've already scratched this and no one fixed it before you took the next take. And I'm like, you couldn't have, like... Just shot, like, you couldn't have just repositioned the camera, like, a bit so that you're looking at a different part of the same fucking circle. Like, no. We're going to scratch the exact same spot, but we're not going to make it look like it's correct. (laughs) We're just going to scratch over the top of the existing scratch. They make some fun continuity choices in this episode, don't they? Do they? What what ones in particular? Nothing is jumping to my mind. Mainly the demon traps and the stuff. Oh, okay. I thought you were introducing a new topic. I was like, no. what else did they fuck up? I was like, damn. What they did fuck up, though, was the special effects are so goddamn bad. I fucking knew. I was watching it and I was like, Jamie's going to have a field day with this one. She's going to detest it. It's got the smoke she hates. It's got the lightning she hates. (laughs) It's got the fire thing at the end that makes no sense. It just, like... (laughs) I like the smoke effect when it's one or two demons. Yeah. As soon as you have a whole bunch of demons, it just looks so bad. I know. The special effect is effective when it's one demon. As soon as they try to multiply it, it's just like a black mass that doesn't have any definition, that just looks like some black fucking shit. I mean, I guess that's kind of what it is. I don't know why it has lightning. This is the thing that confuses me. I don't think it, I don't think demon swarms ever have lightning again. At least not the jump stuff. Like, I can think of other demon swarms in the show. I don't remember other demon swarms with Palpatine lightning. Like, (laughs) This is the only one I can think of. So I don't know what the creative choice was there. Maybe it's just to, I don't know, maybe it's so it's like if people who weren't hip to what it was saw it, they'd think it was just a weird fucking storm. I don't know. But it blew through like a petrol station. So. I mean, the demons are certainly taking the scenic route though, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I don't know. They're here, there. I don't know what the point was in showing them going through that, but. Refuel. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they needed... Uh, they needed stuff at the servo, refuel. They needed a, a meat pie and a Chico farmer's roll. union. Yeah. <laughs> and a chicken roll. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I quickly want to touch back on Ruby. Specifically, Ruby has a, a quote. I think it was at the end of the episode when she sees them in the, the motel room and yeah. she's basically saying, like, you fuckers should have listened to me. Everyone's yeah. dead now. That's on you kind of thing. Yeah. She has a quote, which is another one of those things where I'm going to point it out. It's really not going to mean much to you right now. Oh, yeah. 
But it's one my of those favorite. Things. I really love when it's... you're like, here are these things that are going to be relevant in ten seasons. <laughs> this is something. This isn't ten seasons away. This oh. is this is closer than that. It's something that I heard and I was like, wow, that sounds really fucking familiar. I like I've never put those two pieces together before, given the context of the next two seasons. There is a lizard in my room. What? It's behind the curtain. If you lift up that little bit of curtain, um. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Skink. Hello, buddy. How did you get in here? Small friend? How are you hiding? Well, maybe we'll just leave him. No. And after we finish, I'll grab a cup and we'll transplant. Anywho, so anyone who's seen the show before, I think should recognize why this quote feels familiar to me. And I thought it was interesting given the development of both Ruby and this other character in relation to Sam and Dean. So I'm just, that's kind of, I guess, the Vegas I can explain it. So basically Ruby says to them, I was going to kill myself to let you win. I'm not going to stand here and watch you lose. And it's basically what, you know, she's saying, well, oh no, it's, do you know what? It's not at the end. It is when she leaves, when they decide they're going to go with Dean's plan. Yes. Rather than hers. Mm-hmm. But my point still stands. The quote is, it's not word for word, but it is familiar in a lot of ways. I just thought that was worth pointing out. And when we get to the sort of like mirrored quote down the line, yeah. then I'll be able to point it back and be like, you see what I was talking about. So this is another one of those fun things where I'm like, this will be important later. <laughs> Jamie's looking at me like she's so fucking done with my shit. And I think she probably is. I mean, so. that's how I spend a lot of this podcast. So <laughs> it's not special. Oh, I think it is important that we talk about Ruby and the fact that she was literally willing to die. Yeah. Because when she says vaporize, I'm going to assume like that's die, die. That's like shoot with the gun that kills anything, die. Yeah. Not just like, not just like exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, like the quote I just said, like, you know, I was willing to die for this. This isn't just sitting on the timeout bench at recess. Yeah. Like this isn't like no hat, no play. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that kind of comes back to what we were talking about before, which is her really trying to underline the difference for them between what they're used to and what they're coming up against. And this is something that actually for her character is really quite a recurring sort of thread. Yeah. We've previously had like her having even recently the conversation with Dean about, you know, there is no way for me to save you, Mm -hmm. but Sam needs to be prepared to deal with this without your help. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm willing to risk my neck because I know you guys are in over your heads and And she's about to be be doing it worse if I don't, yeah, and Sam's about to be doing it by himself. Which, it continues the thread of, if Ruby wanted them dead, she'd just stop fucking saving their lives. Literally. Like, okay, this episode, she didn't actually save their life, mm. quote-unquote, like she has in the past. Yeah, but she showed up and she didn't have but to. But she show up, and she didn't have to, and she would have saved their lives. Mm-hmm. She would have saved all of their fucking lives mm-hmm. if they'd gone with her plan. Exactly. And actually, I have a question for you. I know that we yep. talked uh, at the top of the episode about how you're feeling about Ruby. Yeah. But I do just want to ask, how do you feel about Ruby's morals? Because I remember, I think when she was first introduced, you were like, I don't trust her. Yeah. Do you, like, has that position changed for you? Now that we're at sort of at the end, almost at the it's end of the season? It's softened a little. Like, I still don't trust her. Yeah. I still don't think that she's just doing it out of, like, the kindness of her heart. So you don't think, you don't buy what she sold Dean in the episode where she's talking about she remembers being human? But I do think her motivation might be slightly different. Okay. Than what I originally, because I originally I was like, oh, she's just trying to get in with the new leader of hell. Like, yeah, yeah. That is it. I think she's, yes, she's trying to get in with the new leader of hell. Yeah. But she's trying to get in with the new leader of hell because she has a reason to be against the other leader of hell versus just like betting on the horse that she thinks is going to win. So you think it's less of a she wants to be on Sam's team and more of a she doesn't want to be on Lilith's? Yeah, part that, like I think it's sort of like, you know, when you vote and you sort of choose the lesser of two evils. Yeah, okay. Like I don't think she particularly likes Sam or Sam's whole shtick yeah i think it's just better than lilith's like i think she's choosing literally the lesser of two evils okay cool 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 cool. i just i thought this would be a good point to like check in with that because now we're sort of getting towards the end of the season and like having this episode now we've had lilith introduced i was like well actually now it's probably a good time to ask you about this and how your opinions change so yeah i think it's i don't think it's like a purely like moral thing where she's like oh well sam's the good guy so therefore i want to be the good guy i want to save humanity i'm gonna work with sam i think it's 
of the two of them, I'd prefer to work with Sam than Lilith. Yeah. Like, you... for my goals, Sam is the better way to go. Going with your theory on um, wanting to sort of be in with the leader of Hell as well, I also feel like maybe it's a position where she feels like Sam is more e- easily manipulated. Yeah. Then Sam has no idea what's going on. <laughs> Whatever Ruby tells him, he's believing because he has no other information. Like this kid yeah. knows jack shit all. Yeah. Again, he's the half wit brother. <laughs> Which I think I now understand when I wrote the episode description for Oh Night Shifter. Yeah, I wrote the episode description and I wrote it, and it's like, is his brother Sam? Because uh, I did it in like a parody style. Of, yeah. And I remember you being like, this is fucking hilarious. Is this yeah. one of the reasons why you thought that was fucking hilarious? I don't because think... then it later comes out that, like, the yeah, the Lord does fully view Sam as sort of, like, this idiot who's just doing Bumbling what his around brother says. Yeah, quite genuinely. It's it's very much it, from a, like, legal standpoint. And I think this pretty much flows through the series. And as it has sort of so far, everyone sort of sees, like, Dean is the one who's the, like, crazy psychopath killer. And Sam's just kind of there. Like, he's also doing the stuff. But they're like, but Dean is the one. Like, you know, Sam was a good kid. He went to Stanford. You know, he's been corrupted. He's just confused kind of thing. And it's, they don't outright say it. But it is this funny kind of, like, implication that, like, Dean is the... Dean is the mastermind, the evil psychopath behind everything. Yeah. And Sam is just sort of there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a really funny take. And I think that's partly why, like, in episodes like The Usual Suspect, where Sam's, like, kind of bummed that, like, Dean is, like, more wanted than him. Because, yeah, like we said in that episode, it's not that Sam is any less of... Well, I mean, they're not psychotic killers the way that they're presented, but it's not that he's any less dangerous or anything. It's just that for some fucking reason, people have decided that Dean is the one that they need to be worried about. And, like, Sam's, like, less of a concern. And that's probably just by virtue of Sam was out of a life for several years. Yeah, we talked about this so, in The Usual Suspect you as know, well. Dean was racking up bloody Extra charges. charges. And Sam was at a prestigious university, which, yeah. like, colours people's perception yeah. of, like, who yeah. he is and what he does. But, I yeah, I think it's I think it's very funny that Sam is 100% just, like, the sidekick. He's yeah. been sidekickified, it's, which is really funny because that's exactly what happened in the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so meta. Like, Sam was meant to be the main character, and he's been relegated to the sidekick, yeah. essentially. Yeah, it's it's the Dean show now. <laughs> if I had my way, it'd be the Meg show. Yeah, I know. Or the Ava show. I love those ladies. Rip. Which, you you were like, oh, wow, yeah, like the Hendrickson things, like something that's hanging over their heads. It's really fun that at any point it could, like, the ball could... They just dropped it, didn't they? They were like, no, this is too hard. We shouldn't worry about this one anymore. Let's just, eh. Yeah. He's dead now. They're dead. It's fine. I think, I think we talked about No more consequences for you. I have a feeling maybe we touched on this last episode. I can't remember. But we talked, we have talked about the fact that season three is obviously the season they had the writer's strike. These last, I think, five or six episodes of the season are all written by people who were like executive executive producers. And like, it makes sense because they had a lot of stake. They couldn't strike in the same yeah. way because... They, they had other responsibilities on the show. And if there's no script written... There's no show. Yeah, There's exactly. no show and they lose... So, and so a lot of the people in these last few episodes are, yeah, people who have higher stakes in the, in the show. And I think we also touched on the fact that we're now late in season three. At this point, I would assume they would have an idea of what they were doing with season four. And I think because of the way they changed tack... I have a feeling that if it weren't for the writer's strike and the fact that they changed sort of where the plot was going, going into season four, I think that Henriksen is probably a character who would have stuck around and been more important in later seasons. But because of the fact that they kind of ended up changing the entire direction of the show, I think that maybe they just didn't see a place for him. Which is frustrating because even knowing where they did go with the next seasons... Like, he absolutely could have been a recurring character, but... And I even if he just a... lived, he could have just been, like, off chilling in the background, and then if they ever did feel the need to bring him back, they could would have, yeah. And they would have a whole bunch of justification to be able to do that. Yeah. I think it's the same thing is what bugs me with Gordon. I understand with Gordon it was because Sterling K. Brown was going on to some insane, bigger, and, bigger better. and better things. Yeah. But 
it still is just sort of like, oh, well, you just completely remove that other sense of tension other than yeah. the main plot line. Like, yeah. I think, honestly, like, looking at it, trying to... It feels to like, like they're it... putting all their eggs in the one basket. Like, they're like, oh, who needs external issues other than the main plot? Let's just focus on the main plot and do nothing else. Probably just simplification because they don't have the writing stuff. I was just going to say, honestly, knowing how season four and five kind of transpire, I think it was a matter of they had too many things going on and they had a choice. They could either cut threads that they'd already set up or they could not pick up new threads. And I think going through the writer's strike, and I'm pretty sure at this point in time, their ratings weren't that great either. They really needed to do something. Otherwise, they were going to tank. They decided to cut the existing threads and pick up new ones. And the new one was a gay angel. Yeah. And ultimately, like, that is what saves the show. (laughs) So, you know, as frustrating as it is, because Henriksen was such a good character, like, ultimately, given the longevity of the show, like, narratively, it was the correct call. It's just frustrating because, like you say, like, he could have continued to exist. But I think at this point, it was just them kind of trimming the fat. Yeah. They were like, we've got too much going on. If we're going to change the direction but of the show, the we need is to trim it With back. the reveal of the supernatural to Henriksen, he's no longer a plot thread that's hanging over them. Yeah, he could have been, re- like, he, continued, yeah. Yeah, like, there is no, like, other than to prove Ruby right, there was no reason to kill Henriksen. Because he knows now, he's no longer going to be hunting him down. He said himself he was planning on basically framing it so that they were dead. Yeah. So that the FBI wouldn't be after him anymore. But it just, it would have meant that they would have had another friend that if they did find themselves written into a corner, they could pull Henriksen back in. Yeah. To help get them out of the corner. Yeah. You know, it just, it's very frustrating because this episode, even without killing Henriksen, still trimmed the fat, still cut the thread. Mm-hmm. So it was no longer an unresolved plot issue. Yeah. If it was up to me, I think I would have ended the episode instead of having Ruby come in and tell them to turn on the news. Yeah. I would have had Ruby be there for some other dressing down. Like, yeah. some other, like, you fucking idiots should have, like, listened to me or whatever. And then instead of her saying to turn on the news, they're like, what are you talking about? And then Dean gets a call and it's Henriksen and he's the sole survivor. Yeah. I think that essentially does the same thing where, like, they realize that they lost that battle and they yeah. realize that Ruby's plan would have sort of been more effective. Yeah. But you don't lose Henriksen. Yeah. I think that is probably the way that, in the good supernatural that lives in my head, I would have kept him alive because he's just such a good character. And he had so much potential, like, you know, we've spent a lot of this episode discussing it already, but he really, really was set up so perfectly in this episode to be a new hunter. And to, like, this was going to be his intro story. And maybe Mm. it was supposed to be, Mm. you know? Maybe it was supposed to be, but just given... You know, what and then I would have ended the episode with them giving Henriks and Bobby's number. Yeah, being like, start driving to Sioux Falls, we'll meet you there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, then he could have been an, another ally. And yeah. yeah, absolutely, that that is a way that they could have gone. Although um, I personally don't know what that act is. Like, yeah. it, again, it may have it been It might like, have been a scheduling thing. It, again, just because yeah. we don't know, like with Sterling K. Brown, we can pretty confidently say, oh, well, it, it's probably just because... He didn't have any availability. Uh, he... Jeffrey Dean Morgan is the same, actually. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God Jeffrey Dean Morgan had other stuff to do, really. Yeah, so I think that there is certainly narrative choices for what they did, which I can't really yeah. elaborate too much on with you right now, but I think once you're getting into season four, it, it the plot is so much more involved, like the overarching yeah. plot becomes a lot more involved. And so having all of these loose threads, I can understand looking at it narratively and being like, this is too much. We need yeah. to cut something. But it is frustrating that they cut him, his entire character, yeah. instead of just cutting the plot thread. Yeah. Because they could have just done that. Okay, I think it brings us to my PSA for this week. Oh, yeah, I always forgot about your PSA. Yeah, I always did it. <laughs> uh, unless I have like one that like really does it. But I feel like we either do them first or last. Yeah. And there's rarely any in between. Beth, what do you think my PSA is this week? I really don't have one. The only thing that I can think is like, you know, the scout motto is like always be prepared or whatever. That's kind of the only thing I can think because like they've got all like the salt in stock and they've got all the like... No sodium friends here. Nope. They've got uh, all the stuff in the trunk of the Impala. Sam's like ready to make holy water with the rosary. Like, so that's kind of the only thing I can really think. Nothing else... 
super duper jumps to mind. It's not an easy episode to find a PSA for. Yeah. But I did it. I found one. <laughs> if you have a security system in place, make sure it's operational. Because oh, yeah. their security system is the salt and the dem- demon's traps. And the dude just knocks the salt off. Yeah. And he's defogging the window. Yeah. And he knocks the salt off. And like, yes, okay, in this instance, it was fine. It was only Ruby who came through. Yeah. And then they destroy the devil's trap, demon trap, whatever the fuck it's called, to let Ruby out. And then they don't fucking fix it. So your PSA is make sure that your security system is up to regulation? Yeah. If you've got a security system and you're that concerned... Make sure it actually fucking works. That's my PSA. That's fair. So basically just, if you've got a security system, make sure it's properly operational. Yeah. So I think that just about does it for today's episode. So, Jamie, how would you rate this week's episode? Juice in below, which I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but look. Look, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. Really? Yeah. I would have given it a three, but then they killed Henriksen, which immediately docks at half a point. Sure. Honestly, it would almost have been a three and a half. But again, they killed Henriksen and they killed Nancy. Immediately docked points. Shit. Yeah, okay. I. um, That's how much I don't like that narrative decision to kill Henriksen. Yeah, I'm surprised. I didn't think it would be less than a three. Like, I I appreciate your reasoning, but I'm surprised that that ranks with Bedtime Stories and The Magnificent Seven. Look, it was a solid three, three and a half until they killed Henriksen. As soon as you kill the the second person of colour mm-hmm. in the entire show that's a recurring character, immediate point docking. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, no, I don't apologise. I Like I said, I fully I fully appreciate your reasoning. I, Do not apologise for it. I just was surprised that it was... That, and it was story. very plot heavy. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm not the biggest fan of really plot heavy episodes. You know this. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Your favourite episodes pretty indiscriminately have been the Dillard. silly funny ones. Yeah. Filler episodes. <laughs> that's um, the vibe I'm about. Okay. So, that out of the way, the next episode is called Ghost Faces. Mm-hmm. Do you have any predictions, thoughts, feelings, vibes, fears? Oh, Ghost Faces. I've heard that. Okay. That is Ed and Harry, is it, from Hell House? Maybe. The, the, the two paranormal investigators that you said were recurring characters. <laughs> I don't know, Jamie. You'll have, to, you'll have to wait and see. I think they're going to be back, and I think they now go by Ghost Faces. I think they changed their name between hellhound.com or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. To Ghost Faces. Because I have heard their names in conjunction with Ghost Faces. Okay. And also, you've said Ghost Faces affect a lot. Maybe they finally swear as much as we do. Because <laughs> there's something about censorship in there that you've mentioned. Mm, okay, cool. I'm... I'm glad that you remember me talking about the ghost faces effect because that is going to be probably a pretty big discussion point for next episode. I would assume, maybe we'll just skim over it, but I would like to talk about it. I mean, the episode's literally called Ghost Faces. So the ghost faces effect seems like it's going to be relevant to the episode called The Ghost Faces. Okay, cool. So... Um, just the stretch so you're expecting to see Ed and Harry again yeah and how are we feeling about this you pretty much loved them last I time I really yeah The one of the reasons why I was so bummed that Ron died mm-hmm. in Night Shifter is he had the potential to be an Ed and Harry sort of character yeah where they're sort of like they're bumbling through life like and we know we know I love this like I gave Bad Day at Black Rock the highest rating <laughs> so far because it was about characters bumbling through life and just like the stars aligning and coincidences happening and everything working out. Yeah. Like, I love that shit. Yeah. So I am excited because Ed and Harry give me the same vibes of they're just sort of bumbling through it and it's working out. Cool. I also think you're going to like next week's episode. It's different to the usual style. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be... And this is kind of the first episode that they really do something like this. So Mm. I think you're going to enjoy it. It is certainly one of the more meta episodes. Mm. And also, I think it's going to be extra fun because we are going to have Abigail from there. Oh, so our episode's going to be extra fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not necessarily the Supernatural episode, but our episode on it. Yeah. I think the discussion is going to be extra fun because we are going to have Abigail joining us from their Supernatural podcast, Saving People, Queering Things. Previously, the other driver picks the podcast. Yes, absolutely. So they have been on our show before. We had them with us for episode 218, Hollywood Babylon, and it was a blast. And so hopefully you guys are just as excited as we are to have them back next week for Ghost Faces as well. 
Okay, so that just about does it. So if any of you would like to interact with us any further, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. I think it would be super fun. We talked about um, tattoos for the boys today. I think it would be really cool. I know so much, so many people in the fandom have really cool, unique, supernatural tattoos. Ooh, I want to see them. It would be super fun to maybe share those. Obviously, Jamie probably hasn't seen a lot of them before so and probably won't understand the context of a lot of them. Do not give me context if it is beyond <laughs> this point. But spoiler-free version of this. Um, I also just send me a picture. I'll go. Oh, pretty. I don't understand it, but pretty. I also have been considering getting Ooh. a supernatural theme tattoo. Also, so... if they send me a tattoo that I don't understand, I'll try and tell them what I do understand about it. You, so you're gonna give context. <laughs> I'm gonna give context. It will probably be wrong, but it might be entertaining. So I have also been considering getting a supernatural tattoo for a while. So um, I would also really love to just look through the thread for uh, any inspiration but yes so absolutely if you have any supernatural themed tattoos that or tattoo ideas that you would be willing to share i feel like that would be an amazing thread so go hit jamie up on twitter oh that would be so much fun that would be thrilling but if you want to hit up bethany we were like look we all know supernatural is objectively terrible yeah send her your favorite fix it fix <gasps> please specifically about hendrix and living but all fix it fix are acceptable yes i will take any and all fix it fix please and thank you uh they heal my broken soul absolutely if you have like any like favorite fix or fix recommendations about specifically related to this episode hendrix and living hendrix and like you know becoming more a, a, a inclusive part of the supernatural kind of like universe I would absolutely love to see it. Yeah. I so, haven't really seen that many, actually, in my own perusing. So it'll be all new content for me. So yeah, send your Fix It Fit Rex to Bethany on Tumblr at Driver the podcast. Please do. And that just about does it for today. So thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you had as much fun uh, listening as we did recording. And we will see you next week for our episode on Ghost Faces with Abigail. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Gotta get rid of the skink. <laughs>